0: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with our Morning Agenda show. And it is Monday morning after Arsenal's um, nervy victory against Nottingham Forest. I'm delighted to be joined by Tom for this one. Tom, how are you doing? Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. We didn't catch up after that game against Nottingham Forest. Um, We've done a match reaction mm. stream post-match, dissecting um, the win, the result. Um, let's just say it was a bit chaotic <laughs> in the comments post-match. Um, a lot of criticism yeah. towards really? certain Kai Havertz. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I just want to get your overall thoughts because um, you were there, obviously, delayed kick-off, mm. 1 p.m. Um, how was everything in terms of from that to the match, to the performance, uh, to the end result?
0: Yeah, I was really happy with it. Um, I, I'm a little bit, I'm not surprised that there's been like a negative reaction because there's always some form of negativity surrounding the club. But I actually thought that we dominated things really, really well. I I really enjoyed seeing the tactical change-up that we had. Like Partey playing at right-back was a question mark. I actually think it helped us to really control the ball, limit them to very, very few chances. I think it's one of those that when you watch back in like the cold light of the morning afterwards, you realise how dominant we were. And actually the emotion of the end of the game and the kind of the... The emotion of uh, kind of the the end of worldy feel, I suppose, about the fact that they nearly they could have equalised, you know, and they scored that late goal. But the reality was that they created like next to nothing in the entire game. So I was very very happy indeed with the the overall performance. It gave me plenty of encouragement for the forthcoming season, and uh, you know. I'm, I look at other teams like Chelsea, Liverpool drawing, dropping points already, Spurs dropping points as well. You know, yes, Man City had a very confident start. But I think as, if, if Arsenal don't concede that goal on the break, which is kind of a freak moment in the game, and who knows, maybe one of the other chances we have goes in, you know, the shots we had with Rice and Ketty's have a chance, Havertz is one-on-one, you know, if we'd have taken one of those, we could have easily been on to a 3-0 win as well. So I, I don't necessarily see the the negative side of that game at all, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's fine margins in football, isn't it? Like if we, mm. like you just touched on, going to score a third goal, um, it's comfortable. Nobody speaks about the performances of, say, uh, a Kyle Havertz, etc. But the fact that Nottingham Forest pulled the goal back, um, there was obviously going to be a bit of uncertainty towards the end of the game. But mm. what did you think of the formation? Because to many, it could be a surprise. But if I'm honest, I was not really surprised. The fact that... Thomas Party started in that inverted uh, fullback role and um, we saw it towards the back end of last season. Uh, Mikel Arteta was basically auditioning that role, trying to see if it works in games against um, the likes of Nottingham Forest, etc. I think, I think against teams like Nottingham Forest, which um, impose like a low block system, they implement mm. that system, I think it works because These teams, they're going to come and they're going to sit back. They're not going to come and attack Arsenal. So we need to find different avenues to basically unlock their defence. Against teams like Manchester City, Liverpool, I probably wouldn't go with that formation. I think we have to be a bit more solid defensively. But against teams like Nottingham Forest, it's not a bad formation to implement, isn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's Arteta's trying to create, you know, a situation where he takes the the onus on dominance and a formation that gives us the most control and recovery of possession as quickly as possible it's just a fine-tuning of how we create those big chances you know people highlight the fact that our xg i think was less than one and forest ended the game with more than one i think it's one of the first times we've actually lost in the xg charts but I think that that comes from, you know, adding greater confidence, greater consistency of of opportunities. And and I think it was a, a great exercise in showing how malleable the system and the formation can be. You know, it wasn't just Partey at right back because Ben White was still operating in a right back role for a lot of the game. You know, running up that right flank, overlapping yeah. um, with Bakaya Saka and combining with him while well, then Partey tucked inside. So. I love the flexibility that we've got. I love that, you know, we'll probably see something different as well against Crystal Palace, keeping the opposition guessing. We don't know what they're going to do. You know, we don't know what Arsenal are going to do. And I think that creates a a greater danger for us um, and for the opponents as well. So, yeah, I think overall, got to be really positive about it. I want to get your thoughts on Kai Havertz's
1: performance because it's interesting. You know what? I thought... He wasn't that bad, to be to be honest. I think. Oh, he wasn't. No. Yeah, when he was when he was playing in midfield, uh, I spoke about it post match. What I want to see more from Kai Havertz, I want to see him um, show for the ball more, ask for the ball, basically not basically. He, he at times he stands there and he's waiting for someone like Odegaard to pass the ball, ask for it, demand it, and I think that's something that he needs to improve on. I think when he went um, up front in the number nine position, I think he relieved a lot of pressure. Arsenal. He was physical. He was dominant. He was running in the channels. But Arsenal fans, post match, they've been let's just say majority of them have been critical of his performance. But how did you feel?
0: Yeah, it is interesting because I I was at an event last night and we did an experiment with a a good sample size of like 50 odd Arsenal fans and said like, um, give us a cheer if you thought Kai Havertz had a good game, and then we did the opposite and give us a cheer if you think Kai Havertz had a not so good game. And there was no cheers for the not so good game. It was only noise during the good game. And so I feel as though there maybe is this dichotomy of what actually the online, you know, hyperbole, you know, faceless kind of responses give you. And also maybe what the people that were in the stadium or, you know, that are are willing to you know, put a face to the comment are more willing to say. And I think that actually Havertz had a decent game uh, and... One of the criticisms I saw is that apparently he slows us down. He's you know too languid, doesn't do things quick enough. I'm thinking, who's he replacing in the system at the moment? Mm-hmm. And it's Granit Xhaka, yeah, and who was hardly... An electric dynamic midfielder, you know, full of bursts of energy and running, you know, so I don't think he's slowed anything in comparison to what we were doing before. I think he adds more to us going forwards. I think he adds more threat aerially, as you were talking about, more physical um, attributes as well, even when he's in midfield, not just playing at centre forwards. And I just find it really... Odds that he's become kind of this lightning rod for criticism. And I've labeled it as lazy. I think it is lazy to be this critical this early and to not give it more time and be more patient about what we're seeing in him because I think it is too critical right now. Um, and again, he comes off the back of three difficult years at Chelsea. He comes in for a fee which people are trying to raise as expensive. But trust me, that ain't an expensive fee in 2023. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Liverpool have apparently agreed a £60 million deal for Romeo Lavia this morning. Like £60 million for a 19 year old with one season in the Premier League, £150 million for a midfielder of a a year and a half in the Premier League in Caicedo. This £65 million fee, in, in the context of it being Arsenal's third most expensive player. Uh, I think, behind Dryson and, and Pepe. Sure, you can label it like that if you want, but actually in the context of what money gets you these days, you know, I think that he's a, a ready-made player, but it's still something of, you know, a, a revival, if you like. Uh, it's just, it's, it bugs me that we're so quick to, to you know, criticise or abuse in some sense, because some people are unfortunately being abusive already. Um, I think it's a real cowardly shame that they choose to do that.
1: Yeah, like... <laughs> It's his first game in an Arsenal shirt in, on the Premier League weekend. You need to understand that he's come from a Chelsea team where his confidence was shot. His confidence was all over the place. And it's going to take him time, whether that's a few weeks, whether that's a few months, for him to adjust, for him to be more accustomed to a Mikel Arteta's system. And I, I can already see it. Arsenal fans have an issue with always finding a scapegoat. They, they do. The fan base always always wants to find one scapegoat. And I hope I'm wrong, but I can already see Kai Havertz being that scapegoat. like Even if he has a decent enough performance, a good performance, Arsenal fans are going to be on his back. They're going to say, oh, he was awful. So let's just give him a few weeks. Let's support the guy. And I'm sure that um, he'll be firing on all cylinders. Um, do you have an update yeah. for us in terms of urian and Timba? Because we're hoping, we've got our fingers crossed in terms of that. That's not too serious. But if I'm honest, I am a bit worried when I did see the injury because nobody was near him.
0: No, nobody was near him. Um, I don't have an update. All we know is that he's been assessed today, um, is what we've heard, is that we're we're waiting to kind of find out. Our Tetris press conference is on Thursday. Um, So Thursday morning might be the earliest we get an indication of, of when... That might be happening, so we'll have to wait and see if, if that if that does turn out to be the case, and, and we get an update. You know, what Arteta's like though. he's very rarely giving kind of really in depth, insightful uh, knowledge as to what's going on. I've had I've spoken to a number of people that have kind of. Given me what they think about it i've spoken to a, a good friend of mine that you probably know uh, who's been on the channel as well dr rajpar brah who does you know really good physiotherapy uh, assessments on his own youtube channel looking at players and, and types of injuries his assessment was very much like it seemed to be more of an impact than a twist which mm. is a good thing because if it's a twist you're looking at an acl rupture or an mcl tear and things like that but if it's more of a straight on impact injury it could be more muscular or more of a dead leg scenario which is a good thing but we don't have that confirmed and we it's difficult to speculate without having kind of any look at a, uh, uh, you know an mri scan of his knee if that's what they're going to do but if the doctors felt that he was well enough to go out in the second half that means oh. that the way they would have done the the ligament checks you know they would have done the all those types of things at half time to check if it was a, a ligament injury so i have confidence that they wouldn't have sent him out knowing it was that but i do have to question why even take the risk? Like, yeah. you've got so much depth in the mm. squads. Like, you've got Kivior to come off. You've got Tomiyasu who we did bring on. And it's just a little bit like, you know, I don't know why you take that risk when you're 2-0 up at home and you've got all that depth in the world. Don't risk it. Mm. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. That's the first uh, thing I thought when, when he came on. I was like, there's no need to risk him. Like, it borders on uh, negligence for me personally. Like, if you know someone's picked up an injury, don't risk it. You've got, like you've just touched on, Tommy Yasu, who I thought when he came on, I thought he was very solid, very good. So I'm hoping it's not a serious injury, but I was just worried because, like, when no one's near you and you just fall to the ground, it's always worrying when you see that but I'm hoping it's not too bad because obviously Euron Timba did come out on social media and he did tweet um, back soon so if it was a serious injury in terms of um, say a knee injury I think there'll be more um, worried faces even after when he came off he didn't seem too worried by the facial expressions but you just never know you just never know in terms of that but moving on to transfer news uh, TC uh, Katie Kieran Tini was not The Arsenal squad for the game against Nottingham Forest. Um, It seems, exactly, not injured. It seems that Arsenal are looking to offload him before the window slams shut in a few weeks' time. They're hoping for a permanent move. I know there's been talk of a loan deal. Real Sociedad have been linked in the past few weeks. Um, Other clubs have been linked in recent days with the likes of Aston Villa, Newcastle United, uh, reportedly want a loan move for Tierney or Marco Correa. What's your take on this? Are we seeing the end of Kieran Tierney's um, time at Arsenal?
0: I think so. I think that he probably will move on before the end of the the window. I think we had a question in the chat box from Peter. Yeah, it says, "Why is Arteta selling our best left back, Kieran Tierney?" Um, I think if you look at what a left back is in more traditional terms, he probably is the best traditional left back. That we've got in the squad. Hmm. The problem is, is that Arsenal don't play with a traditional left back style. You know, the expectations on that left back position is to be inverted, is to move centrally, is to be more supportive than overlapping. Um, you know, not once did Timber, you know, overlap Martinelli at any point. You know, he was supportive of Martinelli, playing those key passes inside, connecting with Kai Havertz when necessary, and Odegaard and, and, uh, and Declan Rice as well. And, uh, he wasn't ever kind of in a position to to go in behind and get across into the box you know because that's i think he might have been offside once at one point and that might have been it but he he wasn't you know that that's just not what he does and that's not what zinchenko really does either he does it more so because a he's left-footed so it becomes more natural to be down close to the touchline but we know that zinchenko cuts inside and becomes inverted and supports as an extra additional central midfielder basically and i haven't got much the debate with people about how good Tierney is. I don't think the debate is around how good Tierney is as a player. The debate is around should Arteta be changing the system to suit Tierney or should Tierney be doing more to try and suit Arteta's system? And I think the answer is probably the second, but I think the, the caveat to that second point is that he's just not capable of really doing that. And that's also not his fault because he was brought in before Arteta. He's not an Arteta signing. And Arsenal have since brought in four options now in Zinchenko, Timber, Tomiyasu, and Kivior, who can all play to what Arteta feels is a more, you know, akin to what he wants. And that's why Timber started. Zinchenko's not fit yet, obviously. But why both Timmy uh, and Kivior were on the bench and Tierney wasn't, because Arteta feels that's the best option for what he wants. Now, we can disagree with that, and that's fine, but that is the reality. And so because that's the reality, we've got to try and think about what's best for Kieran Tierney moving forwards. Now it doesn't seem that there is an obvious option in terms of a sale this summer. There's suggestions that there might be options for a loan with an option or obligation to buy. If there's an option to buy, I wouldn't do it personally. I'd just because he's got three seasons left on his contract. So I'd say if you're going to loan it, do a dry loan or with a significant obligation to buy it, maybe with an option that turns into an obligation after a certain number of appearances potentially. But, it has to be for me upwards of thirty million pounds because that's what I think he's worth. Upwards of that amount of money. Some people would say he's worth more, but if we're honest, he's had his injury issues. He's not playing much. He is available for transfer, you know. And those factors do lower the asking price compared to some other players. You know, you think about what we got Tim before. You know, just upwards of thirty million pounds. So if Timbers getting into the Arsenal team and starting the player that's fourth choice or potentially even fifth choice, um, if he if he's in that position, he's probably going to go for around £30 million upwards of that mark. So alone, a dry one would mean he comes back in the summer of 24 having played, you'd hope, a full season without any injury issues, fingers crossed. And we can hopefully get a good fee for him after that season. If not, it's it's a very difficult scenario. And there is part of me that doesn't want him to go to Newcastle because I think he would really thrive there. Mm. And that would be a problem for us. So, yeah, it is it is a difficult one. But what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. That's like, I was a bit sceptical when I first saw the reports linking him to Real Sociedad, because we spoke about it last week. There's always been talk that he's homesick. He wants to be closer to home. He's not uh, happy in London. uh, And he comes across as that figure, quite shy, quite, um, he loves that family lifestyle. And it seems that he's not been happy uh, in London since he joined from Celtic. But with Newcastle, we can't strengthen them. We cannot strengthen them because I saw them on Saturday against a side we thought would um, at at the start of the season have a very good season in terms of Aston Villa and Newcastle wiped the floor with them. Newcastle are fantastic. I know uh, Aston Villa were a bit unfortunate in terms of the injury that they suffered with Tyron Mings, um, ACO, hope he's okay in terms of that but... Look, I thought Newcastle on the day were very, very good. Tonali, I thought he was excellent from midfield. Isaac, I think he's going to have a fantastic season. And with Newcastle, there's an area that they can upgrade in that left-back mm-hmm. position. They've got Definitely. trivia, I know. yeah. But Dan Byrne plays in that position. And if Kieran Tierney comes, it's a straight upgrade. Kieran Tierney starts every single day of the week instead of Dan Byrne. So you just yeah, don't want does. to strengthen them. You just don't want to strengthen them because Newcastle, mm. They're going to be pushing again there and thereabouts this season. So you don't want to strengthen it. It's
0: interesting, isn't it? Because like I, I was surprised how easy they beat Aston Villa. Um, Because, you know, Aston Villa have been talked about, you know, as a side that are going to do really well this season. And I actually had, you know, I did a list of hot takes the other day. It's just kind of a a bit of a laugh. You know, one of them being that Haaland wouldn't win the Golden Boot and now he scored two in his first game. (laughs) And I'm looking a bit silly. One of those hot takes was that Eddie Howe could get sacked. Yeah, And and I felt as though that, you know, if they go on a bad run of games, they've got a ruthless situation where they can't afford to be falling out of the European places. And so you never know, he could go. So... I it's a difficult one, isn't it, to know how and where you might see Newcastle in, say, three months' time. Um, but I think there's scope. Am I having mic issues? Can I? Can you hear me okay? I can see people in the chat box saying there's mic issues. Yeah, I can hear can you. we will okay? forgive you because you're in the office. But, Is it because yeah, there's I, like an echo? Is that yeah, why? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Though. Okay. It's, it's a big it's like, open space, so I can't really do much exactly. about, about and, that. Uh, yeah. It's all
1: good, bro. It's all good. But yeah, no, I agree. I think Newcastle, they were solid. They were solid. Um, mm. In terms of another rumour, which is rather interesting because obviously Harry Kane, uh, he's he's departed, he's going to Bayern Munich. Did you watch the game by the way against RB Leipzig? I
0: didn't, no, no. I, I Strangely, there's not a burning desire to watch Harry Kane in me, you know. I mean, not, so not to pick up a trophy obviously is, is quite a nice thing, but... Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I can't say I was wildly like, I think I was busy anyway, but you know, it, it was funny seeing some of the clips afterwards, like the one where he tries to approach the referee in the way that he does in the Premier League, like, you know, he's in the Premier League, he got so much rope from officials, and he's just not going to get that now, and that's going to be great, and then obviously just him looking at the trophies he walks past, oh, glorious,
1: glorious. Yeah it was a good game I think uh, Leipzig were fantastic on the day but yeah Tottenham are they want a replacement it seems they've been linked with a whole host of names since Harry Kane's departure was confirmed uh, Romelu Lukaku they've been linked in the past few days which is which is rather interesting um, and now for Lauren Balogun it's an interesting link it's an interesting link Arsenal couldn't could they?
0: Mm, I really hope not um, never say never but um... But, uh, yeah, I, I think the link is kind of opportunistic. You know, Spurs need a striker. Balogun's there. I think it comes from Gazeta. I think they reported it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always saying to people, be wary. You know, if it's an Italian outlet reporting on an American player or an English club moving to another country that's not in Italy, you know, be a bit, you know. So I think you have to take that into account. But I, I personally think that that's a very fanciful idea, to be honest. Mm-hmm.
1: There's been talk that it's 50 million pounds that we want for flow. But what would make you like think about a potential sale if Tottenham were say interested? Spurs. Yeah, Spurs. Like,
0: what? 80 million. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. 30%. Maybe more. I just yeah. I wouldn't do it. I don't yeah. I do it's I don't, a I risk, isn't them. it? It's a risk. Yeah. Hmm. I don't I'm not strengthening Spurs, like I'm just not doing it. Like, there's hmm. no there's no way shape or form that i'm ever going to say yeah let's sell him a striker that could become the new harry Kane for them you know yeah. a young striker scoring 20 goals last season there's there's a chance he could do that wherever he goes next season there's a chance he might not but you know you, we don't know until it happens if it's a figure anywhere else you know i'm looking to try and get 40 million pounds and i know that arsenal are looking to try and get a record sale from this deal and that's why they've rejected like mm-hmm. 35 million pounds already and i'm hoping that arsenal do get that but We'll see if West Ham or Monaco, Inter Milan aren't in the race anymore, we're told. So let's see if anyone else comes in between now and the end of the window. But I feel as though in these last, what is there, two, just over two weeks left of the window. It's nice to be sitting in knowing we've basically done what we need to do. I know that we could bring in another forward potentially, um, but it's nice knowing that we're kind of like, there isn't pressure on us. Outgoings is a bit of pressure, but I think that's you want that pressure more than needing Mm -hmm. to get players in. Hmm. No, definitely, definitely.
1: Um, I want to speak briefly about Eddie and Ketia because we're speaking about Balogun, and I think this kid needs his praise. Like he, 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 it's always weird with Eddie, and I don't understand it. Like, even if he performs good, even if he puts a nine out of 10, 10 out of ten, there's still criticism labeled towards Eddie and Ketia. What again, was the I- criticism? On social media, uh, in the second You spend half, too much time on social media. <laughs> oh, it's like too much. You know what? It's like on Twitter or X, I, I should say. X, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm always on it. And like, I get frustrated and sometimes I have to bite my tongue. I'm thinking like, mm. what are you people watching? And I think they're comparing him to... They have a dream Arsenal fans, yeah? They want a striker which is better than Gabriel Jesus and Eddie and Kenya. Mm. So do I. Mm. So do I. But give me a striker right now, which is available in the market, that we can get, that's going to come in and replace both of these two strikers. You can't. You can't. Mm. I keep mm. hearing names of Ozyman. It's not going to happen, folks. I keep hearing names of Mbappe. Yeah, seriously, Mbappe. It's not going to happen, folks. So Eddie, for me, like he, w- he was great against Nottingham Forest. He was great. Mm. He has different like weapons in his armory, which I think are different to Gabriel Jesus' And I like the fact now, remember there was always talk that can he work with Gabriel Martinelli? Remember all last season? Like, can can they have that partnership? Is it fluid? Great piece of skill from Gabriel Martinelli to basically unlock the defense. The nice
0: little pirouette. And Eddie. Intentional, by right. Completely intentional. Of course. It's the Samba.
1: It's the yeah. Samba. Bailey really tried to
0: spread. tell me yesterday it wasn't. That it of was course it was.
1: Nah, it was. It was. You know, you know, Billy's hot takes, man.
0: Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: But yeah, Eddie, bro, like he was great, wasn't he? Uh,
0: Yeah. I I, like you, you know, I'm very grounded with Eddie because I think that there's something to be said about the fact that I think that if Arsenal want to win the title, is Eddie and Ketia good enough to be the number two at Arsenal? And I have questions about that. Mm. But the thing is, is that I want him to prove me wrong. And when he does, by doing things like he did at the weekend, he has to be praised for it. So, what is the point in kind of languishing on criticism of Eddie or continuing to say he's not good enough? You know, the amount of comments I got left on a show I did the day after talking about Eddie and Ketia after he'd scored and I was saying he did really, really well. That's the type of thing that he needs to do. He has to try and change the conversation from not just stepping in for Jesus, but the talk being about him and what he is doing. And I have people just leaving comments like, not good enough, sell him, get rid. And it's like, just give the guy a break. Like just let him play and like don't stop being so proud in like your own opinion about the fact that you don't think he's good enough because I'm certainly not I never used to think he was and there's still questions marks I have about him I agree but I want to be proven wrong mm-hmm. I want to look stupid if I end up looking stupid because it means it's the betterment of Arsenal and him which is he's what a likeable kid as well
1: He's a likeable exactly. kid
0: Exactly <laughs> He's played with Bailey do you know that? Do you know he used to play yeah, with yeah,
1: Bailey Yeah Bailey
0: mentioned it Is Bailey a fan? Yeah yeah he, he pulled out a photo yesterday of him and Eddie and Ketty on the same team so there you, you know there you can't judge him <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like you always hear talk. You know what I like about Eddie Nketiah? I think when he starts games, he makes an impact. He either scores scores a goal or he makes a contribution, which is vital to us getting the win of three points. I think what he needs to improve on is when he starts from the bench and when Miklátec calls upon him, he doesn't make that same impact. And I've seen it time and time again. And there's always been talk that Trossard should start more games in recent weeks. But I look at Trossard and I think Trossard is a fantastic player, but he's more suited to coming off the bench and making an yeah. impact
0: than Eddie Nketiah, and Ketty are new Nketiah. Olivier Giroud is Trossard. Exactly. <laughs>
1: it's so it's, it's tough with
0: numbers, Trossard, man. isn't it? Because like I think he's good enough. I think he should start. Like I think he should start games. And I think that's the one that Havertz is gonna fight with because I think that a lot of people argue, and fair enough, that Trossard should be playing instead of Havertz and I don't have an issue with that opinion at all Mm -hmm. you know if you think that Trossard should be in ahead of Havertz I have no qualms I I haven't got a debate for you because I think that you're well within your right to want Trossard to be starting in this team you know but I, I think that Havertz has got a really good you know chance of of also doing it as well and let's just wait and see. Yeah. Finally, before we wrap up, you spoke to Matt Turner um, after the game
1: um, against Nottingham Forest. Um, Interesting interview. Um, I like the fact that he chucked in the David Raya question and fair play to Mm. him. He responded. He responded. So let us know. Let us know. What what was that all about?
0: Yeah, he answered a few questions. First of all, the first question I asked him was that obviously now he's a Premier League starting goalkeeper, but it's not Arsenal. Kind of how does he feel about that? And, you know, he was very open about that, saying that, you know, he's he, he it's not necessarily worked mm-hmm. out the way that he thought it was going to, but like he's really happy that he's in his place and he feels really good about that. But th- the key question I think obviously is a lot of people would, would be focused on is that asking him what advice that he would give to Raya to try and compete with Ramsdale where Turner's not necessarily succeeded, mm-hmm. how can Raya succeed in doing that? And he, I loved his answer talking about the culture as kind of a really key part. And that yeah. shows you that even if you're on the fringes, You have to have this arsenal culture instilled within you. And I think that's really, really key. So I love the answer he gave. He also talked about work ethic and working really hard. And, you know, that he felt that he did that to as much as he could, but just that Ramsdale ended up being great. And that every time that every time Turner would be good in a Europa League or Cup game, Ramsdale would follow that up with three really good Premier League performances. You know, so he was never really If the door opened ever so slightly, Ramsdale shut it, you know, straight away. And that's what Raya will now have to deal with, is that I thought Ramsdale was good against Forrest. I know some people like to place blame about the goal. I don't look at him for the goal, to be honest, at all. It's a really good counter-attack and a really close-range strike, and it's very difficult to deal with that. But overall, I thought his distribution was on point. I thought he he commanded his box really, really well. So, yeah, I think Raya comes in and adds real good competition. But, you know, Ramsdale is going to be very, very hard to dislodge. Should we get an announcement today? You hope? For yeah? yeah, fingers crossed. I th- yeah, I think hopefully I think so. yeah. it'll be today. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed because I know his family was in oh. attendance. Yeah, I saw, I saw him after the game. He walked past me during uh, after the game um, through the mix zone and he came obviously in the elevators by the um, uh, by the tunnel and I, I just I wish they'd have announced it at the stadium. Like I love that idea. So, so, of, like, someone done it. Someone done it recently. Yeah, Hoyland. Hoyland wasn't and Mudrick as well. Wow. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a
1: clever idea. Just
0: yeah, it's, it builds up that kind of atmosphere before the game. It gets people like a bit hyped. And I how like was maybe, the atmosphere, if... by the way, at, at the Emirates? Because did you see yeah, it again?
1: Wasn't... I'm on social media again. You're going to start saying why are you on social media? But I saw on social media a lot of
0: Arsenal fans were yeah a bit aggrieved
1: by the atmosphere for 12:30 game.
0: Yeah. It obviously there was a lot of frustration from fans about the ticketing situation, um, and because of that, I think that bled into a little bit of like, uh, like it wasn't this, you weren't as pumped up, you know. And it was really empty, and the delay to kick off frustrated people more. So I don't think it was like the Arsenal crowd were bad and it's their fault. I think that you know the the whole situation, the environment bled into a frustration for fans, and there was still a really good roar before the, at the start of the game, and but it did peter out relatively quickly um, and it wasn't really able to get back going there wasn't too many loud chants but we're at Palace on Monday night Um, Arsenal away fans are always incredible Um, so I'm looking forward to that one it's a very small press box I've not been that I've been to Palace a lot of times but I've never done the press box there and I hear it's it's quite the uh, the cozy environment shall we say so that could be an interesting one yeah definitely definitely enjoyed that um yeah hopefully
1: the atmosphere does improve for the next home game against fulham but i think the best clip i saw this weekend was a Declan rice singing north london forever fantastic Did you see that
0: you no
1: see that? no i haven't no. no i haven't i need to send you that i need to send you was he singing it before the game yeah you're singing it before the game in the huddle <laughs> like fantastic fantastic oh, please clip. please send me the video yeah i want to yeah. see this fantastic clip but yeah if you have enjoyed the show folks um make sure to drop a like tc thank you for jumping on this morning
0: pleasure mate sorry about any mic issues with uh yeah open office here so it's not easy no worries (laughs) away from home that's where tc is in canary Mm.
1: wharf but yeah folks if you have enjoyed the show uh make sure to drop a like comment subscribe and keep pointing us down the arsenal way